Save those cookie cutters for your holiday baking because your TMF deserves a little bit more TLC. That's right. The days of a cookie cutter, one size fits all approach to TMF management are done. And in this episode of The State of TMF, our experts will be discussing one of the hottest topics in the TMF world today, risk-based TMF management. We'll be joined by Don Nickham, Executive VP of QA and Compliance at Inception Group. And we will walk you through how to leverage data and technology to apply this holistic, data-driven approach to managing your TMF. Plus, you'll get a preview of Montreum's brand new white paper on risk-based TMF management, co-authored by Donatella and Paul. The State of TMF podcast is officially in session. Let's get into it. I foresee there being a, a pretty full house today uh, because this is a subject I think lots of people mention risk-based TMF, but I don't know how many people uh, today either fully understand it or implementing it, leveraging it, et cetera. So I think there's a lot of really interesting things for us to discuss. Um, super happy that we've got um, uh, Dawn who's joined us today. Dawn, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, and then, of course, our, our mainstays, uh, Paul and Donatella and from the Munching team. For, for all of you lucky attendees today, um, we're actually launching um, a brand new white paper on how to build a risk-based TMF management process. I think at this point, it's a 30 or so page document, which provides a framework for you to be able to adopt risk-based TMF management. Um, so everybody on the line here will get access to that for free. We'll give you a link at the end of today's show. Perfect. All right. So let's get into it. You guys ready to talk about risk-based TMF? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, I did. Okay, perfect. So the, where I want to start with you guys, and I'm coming, you know, for the audience to know, I'm coming at, the, at this myself as a risk-based TMF novice. This is something I'm excited about learning uh, about today. Um, so I'm going to be asking the questions for you guys, but if you guys have questions, please feel free to throw them into the Q&A. Um, where I'd love to start is sort of, um, why are we talking about risk-based TMF today? What, why is it a, a subject that we should be talking about? Um, and, and what is ultimately driving it? Who wants to sort of kick off the conversation there? I'm happy to kick off the conversation if, if that's good. Uh, you know, really, if you look at the regulators and everything that's coming out in guidance documents and, um, not directly in regulations, but right adjacent everything to the um, to the regulations in the things we are seeing in inspections. Everything in their mind is doing things on a risk-based approach. And the thought is risk-based approach doesn't mean we're doing any less, but it's really that we are thinking very thoughtfully of what our critical to quality factors are and spending our share of time on those rather than trying to do it all. Uh, you know, the greatest, the, the greatest analog that I can come from this is risk-based monitoring, which has been around for a while. Uh, you know, showing that we know that review source data verification showed less than 1% errors in, in documents. So is SDV itself a value-added activity? What other risk-based risk activities can we do? And so a lot of RBM and those activities are around there. Mm. I, I agree with you, Don. I think um, you also need to think about just just you know what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think that we spend a, a lot of time and a lot of effort doing extensive QC and reviews. And yeah, you know, we're 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 spending a lot of a lot of time doing that. 
and it doesn't always uh, give us the the results that we're looking for. It doesn't always give us quality. It doesn't always give us assurance that you know we're inspection ready, that we're we're, we're complete. Um, and so that's where I think we also need to take a different approach, a, a much more sort of focused approach. So. Yes, the regulators want us to do that, but I think we should also be doing it for ourselves because we're just not getting the results that we need today following the sort of the traditional, you know, 100% QC type uh, scenario. I'm sure that Donatella's probably got uh, some thoughts on that too. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you both. <laughs> both and just before the audience, I'm not based in Dracula Castle. I'm based in Italy. <laughs> so sorry for the darkness. Uh, I like darkness, but just, you know, some variable that doesn't help to be very bright. By the way, um, definitely, I think that risk-based approach is a regulatory requirement. Uh, we can't escape from this requirement. Uh, as Dole said, it's uh, in every guidance, uh, MHRA, FDA. Uh, with more or less details, but it's a requirement. And additionally, I think, as Paul said, that it's a need because uh, clinical trials are becoming very complex. Uh, the data that we are managing uh, are increasing, uh, the complexity, the technology. So all of that uh, make us uh, uh, a need of, you know, applying a risk-based approach we don't, because we don't have enough time, we don't have enough resources. Uh, so it's really uh, crucial, I would say, to define uh, a risk-based uh, approach, a risk-based strategies to try to focus uh, all our energy and resources uh, on what really matters, on what really can make the difference uh, and make uh, you know our clinical trial of a good quality, our trial master file inspection ready. So I think it's uh, a combination of uh, regulatory requirement, but also need specific need uh, of yep. uh, all of us. And I think you, I think you said something really important there, Donatella, which came out in the survey um, that we we conducted um, earlier this year. Um, and yeah, you know, there was a question around uh, what are the challenges that you have in relation to sort of QC and oversight, and yeah. the 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 answer that came back with the highest uh, percentage was just lack of resources. It's a it's a big challenge, um, and I think it's getting worse. Uh, and especially with, you know, what we have on the horizon. So ICHE6R3, you know, the, it seems like the the scope of, of TMF is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I think, yeah, we have to take a different approach to it. We can't just keep on going like we are. And I think that's the biggest driver in addition. Well, well I think TMF is is coming into its own, not even it's, just being bigger and bigger. It's, it is being recognized of what we know, all of us TMF geeks, what we know as being that central hub of all records for the clinical trial, but it's being recognized definitely by the regulators very clearly that that's their thoughts as well. Yep. So that brings it in. And I just, you know, the complexity, Donatella, that that's a really important part. You know, when you have these super complex clinical trials, you need to think about, you know, when you're thinking about QC, what, what records are going to be critical for the story of the clinical trial? Not every record in our TMF is created equal, and we know that. Um, and it's not the same for every study. So that's why you need to look at this every time you start a new study. Yeah. So so the super interesting sort of opening there. So obviously we're talking a lot about the, 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 the change in complexity, the regulatory environment is changing 
Paul, you mentioned ICA G6R3. Uh, Donatella mentioned a number of guidance documents. Um, what are some of the, um, you know, different regulatory authorities today um, that are putting a larger emphasis here? And, and what are some of the things that they're, that they're saying, referencing or encouraging, um, you know, TMF teams to look at? So we've what? definitely seen MHRA and EMA um, come out with specific guidance documents that mention this. Um, FDA does not, has not mentioned TMF specifically. But in risk-based quality management, it's somewhat inferred. Uh, and it's just FDA, T it's not that TMF is not important to FDA, but it's not how they focus their inspection. Yeah, exactly. For example, the, I mean, at the moment, the most, uh, I would say, detailed guidance on TMF requirement for risk-based uh, is the EMA guidance of 2018. It's still very detailed, asking uh, explicitly for a QC, risk-based QC on TMF. Uh, so that is very, you know, like uh, you have to develop uh, these uh, risk-based QC for your TMF. At the, at the moment, uh, from my knowledge, is the one that is more clear and, and transparent on this requirement. But there's still the super clear on in, in in terms of yeah how how do you put that? No, no, no exactly. So you have it's to do it. Yeah. And this is what we expect you to do. You know, it's kind of. That's I, I think that's the biggest challenge that we face today is coming up with something that that we can apply as an industry that makes sense and that's going to meet their requirement. And the regulators do that on purpose, don't they? Yeah. They're going to tell us the what, but they never tell us the how. Yeah. And and when it comes to the how, there's so many different ways to do this, and so many things you can call risk-based approach. Right. Um, you know, both ends of the spectrum, right? Uh, that it's sometimes hard for companies to say, you know, where are we going to go with this? Uh, how far do we go? And are we really ensuring our critical equality? So, and, and I know that we're going to get into the meat of those different approaches, but if we take a half step back, maybe there are some folks on the line here that are hearing risk-based TMF for the first time, um, or, you know, maybe the concept is still... A little too nebulous. Um, if we think about risk-based TMF, what what problem is that specifically solving for? In, in all of your opinions, what are some of the things that we see in terms of benefits of doing some of the, the risk-based uh, TMF? Number one, I think it's increased quality of your TMF right. because when you're not in the minutia, you're you're able to focus on the critical to quality piece. Yeah, I also think that there's a benefit potentially. Yeah, outside of the TMF as well, in terms of you know seeing things that just don't quite make sense uh, in the study, you know, in the study conduct um, based on the documentation that we're looking at and based and based on risk. Um, so, you know, typically, if you're taking a risk-based approach, you're focusing on the high-risk areas, um, which are critical to this, you know, to the study and you know, patient safety, data integrity. Um, and as you as you sort of focus your your reviews of that information, um, uh, you know you're 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 sort of less you're you're doing less box checking and actually you're analyzing what you're looking at. You're looking at the processes. You're you're trying to uh, to reconstruct what happened in the study in your mind as you read and review, uh, and and hopefully you know you you can sort of develop the individuals that are doing that to actually start to detect, you know, other issues that they need to maybe alert the, the clinical team to as well, saying, you know, I saw this, is it truly the case that this happened like that? Or 
are we missing something, you know? Um, so I think it can go much further. And this is where we start to really sort of appreciate the goldmine of information that the TMF is and, 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 and can be. Um, and the fact that today, um, you know, we're still in that mindset of, you know, we need to file stuff and it's a repository and we just need to get it in there and store it and then hope that it's inspection ready and hope that we have everything. And move away from that to more, okay, well, we're managing um, the story of what happened in the study and the processes and the activities and all of that stuff. And and our goal is, is to really ensure that we can tell an accurate and complete story of the study. And our, and our TMF teams need to be able to do that. You know, that should be their primary focus, not just archiving. Uh, and I think risk-based approaches is, is one of the enablers to that because it really allows us to focus. Yes, Paul, if I can add, I think that uh, what you said makes totally sense because uh, I think that risk-based approach uh, helped the team to develop a more proactive uh, approach to TMF. So not just to think uh, the TMF, as you said, as a repository, but to have uh, and not a reactive, let's say, uh, responsibility and action, but more proactive. So try to ensure uh, the quality in our TMF, in our clinical trial processes, and try to identify before the issue happens, uh, what, what can go wrong, uh, how we can fix it. Uh, so have really a more agile and active approach rather than just uh, a passive management of putting the documentation there, hoping that at the end, the story will be good enough uh, for the spectrum. So definitely, I think uh, it will yeah. You know, and it also speaks to me as the type of people you want managing your TMF. So your TMF manager, your TMF specialist and functional team that, you know, they really do have to have knowledge of the clinical trial. They need to have some information to make very thoughtful decisions of when you are in a good space of what you need versus maybe, you know, you don't have everything you need. And, and what does that look like? You know, they need to understand that when they see X document come through, what else am I looking for? So that that piece of milestone driven or linked document driven, which is something um, is something I've talked about for a long time, but I still think people don't quite get, you know, how do we link other documents together and make sure the thread goes through. Right. And and evaluate the risk on on the whole rather than on the individual. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so let's dive into that for a little bit, because I think, uh, you know, if we think about, we're talking about risk-based TMF management, and there are, as you've mentioned, a number of ways in which organizations can approach this. You know, there's this sort of the approach that we maybe champion here at Monshin, but there are other approaches. And I guess also um, there are um, uh, sort of uh, starting points and middle points and endpoints. you know, they can start small and, and, and then that grows and evolves over time. When we think about um, developing a TMF risk-based approach, what are some of the things that we should be thinking about? And here I'm thinking, you know, the different things within our TMF process or, or organization that maybe impact risk or, 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 or challenge risk. What are some of the things that we should think about there? Well, I think you're going to, I think you're going to have to start with process and the people. I mean, you know, um, you know, starting to build out that process, uh, make decisions of how you're going to do this. So, we mentioned a few different ways that you can do risk-based approach. And you also have to look at your culture of your organization and their tolerance for risk. 
you know, and that is some, you know, I've seen people say, oh, TMF resourcing, we, we're always low. And that is true. But, you know, what it may be that their tolerance for risk of TMF, they have a high tolerance for risk. Not that that's the end of all we want to see TMF people employed. Um, we want to make sure that they're thinking throughout their culture, working with their people, and then building that process out for something that's going to work for them. And there's there's a number of different methods. And I thought Donatella come off, but she probably has some thoughts. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I totally agree with you that uh, processes and people are other very important elements, uh, you know, for risk. And uh, when it comes to TMF, uh, what I realize uh, working with companies that very often uh, TMF is not considered inside the overall risk management plan or assessment that they do for the clinical trial. You know, they think about uh, the site, uh, the, the problem of enrollment, uh, the protocol, uh, and TMF uh, is never or very less mentioned. I think that everything starts from there. So you need to think about TMF. I noticed spectrum already TMF as a potential risk for a failure. And so there are many risks, as you said, related to the processes, because it's not just an artifact, let's say, risk that we're talking about. We are talking about maybe a process that is not robust, people that are not trained on TMF requirements, so they don't know what are the expectations and the standard that is required. So lots of aspects that need to be taken into consideration. I don't know, Paul, do you agree with this? No, I, t- I totally agree that um, we should be paying more attention to TMF risks in relation to the overall study risks. I also think the, the converse is true, um, and Dawn kind of alluded to this. So each study can be different uh, and present different levels of risk depending on the type of study, the design of the study, you know, is it a phase three versus a, you know, a phase two A? You know, there are lots of different factors at the study level that could have an impact on the amount of, um, of oversight um, that we need to provide on the TMF as well. So if you're dealing with a, you know, a phase three pivotal study um, that has a fairly complex study design uh, in a in a therapeutic area that may have a lot of safety issues, you know, things like oncology, then you know there's going to be a lot of scrutiny and you know that there's going to be a lot of scrutiny in certain areas. And so you should be, as a TMF management group, looking at the overall study risk uh, and then integrating that into your TMF risk management plan or your TMF plan uh, or a combination of, their, of those two things to, to make sure that you have the right level of oversight for that particular TMF. So it's kind of a, it's a two-way street. And I don't know if it always happens that way, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, it doesn't happen that way. I think it's um, the TMF team is not, well, one, the TMF team is not always at the table for developing the study risk management, which right. I also think that's an issue in itself. Yeah. But uh, I don't know that the TMF team thinks about looking at the risk management plan. Uh, you know, they... They tend, they tend to get a little bit siloed, and we've sort of done that to ourselves, where we tend to get siloed. We really do need to remember the bigger picture. And Paul, you you gave some great examples. I mean, if you think about oncology, especially, we've done some cell and gene therapy studies where the IP section, zone six, blows yeah. off. You know, it's there's a lot of risk around. There's a lot of records that you would have never thought of. And yeah. suddenly, the ensuring those look right 
it is that's my biggest worry now. You know, I I may not take some time on some other site level documents that are not as critical. It's because those are our end to end that we have to show. So it's again, it can come down to document or record type, and it can come down to um, you know milestones. The other thing is, while I agree, phase of trial might um, might let you think about your risks on different levels. I do caution folks that remember the regulators can go back into those old TMFs, even if that's your, your yeah. study. So while you may say it's less risk and that I think that's fair, you want to still ensure that your quality and completeness of the TMF are at at least a reasonable level. So, you know, what, what that reasonable level is, you, know, yeah. you need to decide that in your organization and what your tolerance is for risk. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, super interesting. So so what we've talked about so far is is sort of, Donatella, you talked about sort of inspection risk, which I think is, is very real. And Paul, you sort of uh, draw the connection there to sort of overall clinical risk. Uh, and then Dawn sort of finishing off with sort of, um, you know, uh, wrapping that up uh, as sort of risk across potentially multiple studies, which I think is really, really interesting. And we've also touched on, um, you know, process and people and the risks that are associated there, as well as, you know, maybe some examples of Dawn made around specific artifacts that might be uh, more risky than, than others and, and incorporating that. But when we think about um, starting to, let's say, lay the foundations, if, if you know, if, uh, if we have some attendees here on the line that have ambitions to implement a risk-based TMF process, where do you guys start here? What are some of the things that the first steps that that you would take? So I think that there is there's sort of there there are, there are multiple steps to applying a risk based approach. Um, there are some things that apply at the organization or the you know the process people level, and there are some things that apply across studies, um, and then there are things that are study specific, uh, and then even within that study. There are things that are mentioned specific, so they relate to a particular document owner or a particular process owner. So, so I think there are multiple different levels that we have to 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 look at um, to be able to to apply uh, a comprehensive approach. But I think the starting point is definitely, as as we mentioned before, looking at the process. So, what's the overall process? How do we sort of evaluate risk of that process and then also how do we sort of take into account um, study specific aspects from a procedural standpoint that can have an impact um, and then afterwards I think you know the second the second part and this is an approach that we've already seen in the industry it's I think traditionally what people do in fact is looking you know sort of artifact by artifact and evaluating them risk in relation to patient safety data integrity you know the classic sort of risk risk assessment that we would do and sort of classifying artifacts in that way um so i think that that's that's still a very valid way to do things it's fairly simplistic because obviously it's not just about uh that i think there are other aspects too especially in relation to quality but i think is a good starting point yeah i totally agree with you paul in the sense that uh... I think that uh, a big misunderstanding around TMF management is that they just think, uh, okay, the process is TMF management, but that word, uh, behind that word, uh, there, are, there are lots of aspects to be considered. 
uh, how you are managing the trackers, uh, how you are managing not to file, uh, how you are managing the correspondence of a clinical trial. So there are really several uh, steps of the process of a big and complex process uh, to be considered. And sometimes, I mean, the visualization that uh, I usually uh, use uh, is really that people just see the top of the iceberg without considering uh, all these other elements that are, you know, uh, under the wood. Uh, but when it comes to treatment management to ensure the special readiness, you have to consider to have a look and try to identify, okay, how am I going to manage the correspondence for the TMF? How am I going a living document for the TMF that we upload a draft one, the final one? So there's a lot of questions you need to answer before starting to uh, manage your TMF. And so everything really starts, I think, from the process. And then, as you said, uh, you can go deeper and go and focus on the artifact, uh, on the people, but definitely in my opinion, everything starts from the process. Don't, do you agree with this approach? Oh, I, I 100% agree. And I, I was thinking of a couple things as you were talking about this. I think we all know things like correspondence, relevant correspondence can be, unfortunately, a dumping ground for all kinds of stuff, even though there's been papers out on, you know, how to do this, how to do this differently, how to really actually put relevant correspondence in there. I still have teams putting everything in its brother. And, you know, and that risk is, okay, how do I find what I need? Right. Okay. How, how do I, so giving, you know, and some of this is a technology piece, you know, are there ways that we can mark those particular, you know, actual true big, you know, critical important things and then ensure those are a part of our review. So I think that's where I'm, when I talk about linking, you know, yeah. documents together, that's where I go dig in correspondence and say, okay, are there emails around this? What are those? And how do we ensure that we have that package to tell the story? The other thing, the other thing I was thinking about is TMF really should be a study management tool. I mean, while I said that, it really should. Right. So, yeah. And, and unfortunately, as we all know, again, it just, it's thought of as the archive. Uh, in some organizations, some are better than others. If it's a study management tool, then those living documents, 100% are more likely going to be in your TMF, but you do need to have a process to deal with that. And then you need to think about it in your risk-based QC. What am I going to QC on those living documents? You know, it's, it can, you know, those, those are the type of documents that you may say, other than that they're in the right spot, I'm not going to look at anything else on that today because it doesn't matter until they're final. So yeah, it, it can help you manage all of that data, all of that study management. I like Barbara said, it's a data and study management tool. And I would agree with that yep. as well. I agree. T- TMF, uh, TMF's hard, eh, guys? It's a, it's a, it's a complex uh, thing that we, uh, it's not easy. TMF is everything. That's the reason. TMF is, TMF is everything. Exactly. Um, awesome. So, so I, th- I really like what you guys sort of, uh, uh, distilled there is sort of really starting small and thinking about, uh, sort of the risks that are within reach, right? Like try not to overcomplicate things by going and trying to evaluate risk at 80 different levels of your organization, because that's just going to be too cumbersome and sort of starting small, building a, a reflex, you know, like working out at the gym um, and, and kind of getting a, a proof of concept and then sort of uh, increasing that over time and increasing maybe potentially the organization's comfort with 
with risk. I love that. Um, one of the things that I'm sort of cheating here a little bit, because I'm looking at the white paper that everyone's going to get their hands on um, at the end of this uh, show. One of the things that are, is referenced in the white paper that Paul and Donatella, uh, you recommended, um, is the concept of um, uh, the development of a TMF risk management plan. Um, do you think that this is, you know, well, I guess, first of all, where does that come from? Um, and maybe a sort of a brief explanation of sort of the, the idea there. Um, and, and why is this important, you know, in the context of, of TMF risk-based approach? So I think that uh, the TMF risk management plan that comes uh, as a supportive tool, uh, you know, to, to define the process for a TMF risk. So basically, uh, you know, we've got uh, usually as a very important document, a TMF plan, which is already a very uh, long and complex document because it touches several aspects of the TMF management. We have the SOP on TMF management. So something that is uh, really focused and dedicated to how you are going to develop the risk uh, for your TMF can be very helpful. So the TMF plan can definitely, that plan can be that document where you uh, give the instruction, okay, now you have to identify, uh, first of all, the risk of the TMF management, and then uh, evaluate and assess uh, the risk to define a better strategy. And that strategy will have to be monitor and control uh, on an ongoing basis. So the work is not done and finished once we have, let's say, completed the TMF risk management plan. It's just the beginning because only, obviously risk can change and you need to uh, always keep an eye on what's going on the clinical trial, what are the elements that can change. There is an amendment, there is a, an excursion temperature for the IP. So there are lots of uh, events and things that can happen that can change the risk uh, even in your TMF management. So the TMF management plan, and I would suggest also uh, the TMF management log can be a really helpful tool to manage the risk around the TMF. And as Paul said at the beginning, uh, the TMF risk management plan can be an annex of the TMF plan, you know, uh, because obviously they are linked uh, together in terms of TMF processes and standards. So definitely think that uh, those are the main tools that uh, someone should implement uh, when it comes to develop a risk-based approach, though, what you think? Yeah, it's actually a new concept for me. I I had never considered a TMF risk management plan before. Certainly, um, there's always a study risk management plan, which I'm very familiar with. And at the study level, they generally TMF, even being a risk, is is not even really considered, right? But as we're starting to think about a risk-based approach diving down into what are our TMF risks. So it's really narrowing down what are the risks for the TMF itself and then scoring those risks. So where we're actually able to discern what is our, where is our highest risk? Where should we focus our review? And furthermore, when you show this to regulators, oh my goodness, you are going to be so far ahead because regulators are asking during inspection, how do you quantify your risk? Right. You know, what what types of metrics did you use? How did you show that you fall to risk plan? So now you have documentation because you're going to document all that to hand to the uh, regulator during an inspection. So it really pulls you all through the process. I, I think it's a very nice, nice piece. I think there's also what, another thing that's really important in the risk management plan is is, is also kind of a there's a there's a, a, a feedback loop if, if you will, 
where we're actually verifying that the risk plan that we put in place is actually functioning, that we are evaluating risk properly um, and that we're getting the results that we need. Um, and yeah, we do the same thing in data management, right? We do periodic reviews to verify that the approach that we're taking makes sense. And if it doesn't, we need to adjust it. Um, because yeah, sometimes things may not seem high risk, but in reality they are, um, for lots of different reasons. Uh, and so I think, you know, having that, that, that sanity check, uh, as part of your risk management process is also super important and, and the risk management plan allows us to have that. So yeah, it's a good, uh, it's a good, uh, good idea that, uh, Donatella came up with. She has good. There you go. So, <laughs> some. <laughs> some emo some emojis from the audience perhaps um one of the one of the things that i um sort of maybe want to ask on behalf of the audience here is you know maybe a, a question around how critical is it to put in place a tmf risk management plan um to implement you know risk-based tmf process um is it something that you absolutely have to do or if you're a you know a small team and you don't have the resources but you want to try and reap some of the rewards of, of a risk-based TMF process, you know, maybe uh, looking at QC as an area of focus, perhaps. Um, is it absolutely essential that you start with a TMF risk management, management plan or is there sort of a, a half step to getting there? I think the half step is including the risk management QC in your TMF plan. Yeah, so exactly. you certainly can put it into your TMF plan itself uh, and keep it a little more high level. It doesn't go to the level of necessarily ranking risks or that sort of stuff. But you can describe how are we managing this TMF on a risk-based approach. That may include how often are, as a sponsor, am I doing oversight of my TMF? It may include, um, you know, what level of quality reviews is expected and how, you know, and somewhat how those are going to happen. Uh, some people still use things like key documents and that sort of thing as a starting point. And those work. I, they do get you a starting point. You can functionally divide and conquer to get it together. It doesn't address the overall risk 100%, I don't think, but it is but it is a starting point to focus your time. And I actually like, I want to call out to Martina that put something about you know, risk-based approaches isn't about reducing staff. No. No, exactly. <laughs> so it's about telling... It's not. And it, <laughs> it, it always gets that no more. It's not. It's about increasing quality, 100%. Um, perfect. Now, a couple other things I want to sort of run through here that I think is really interesting, sort of just to pull out of how we evaluate risk, right? And so thus far, we've talked about, again... We've talked about sort of inspection risk and process risk. We've touched a little bit on the artifact risk, you know, what's uh, core and re versus recommended and identifying risk there. But there are some other areas of risk that we might want to look at too. Um, you know, some around sort of evaluating patient safety, data integrity, things like that. We didn't touch on that all that much. Paul, what are some of the things that we should be thinking about there as we're sort of building our risk model, if we can call it that? Um, when it comes to evaluating the impact on patient safety and, and data integrity, what would be your recommendation? So, so I think it, it, it's all about the process um, and thinking about clinical trial processes as a whole rather than individual artifacts. Um, and, and Dawn kind of alluded to this. So 
if we can if we can sort of think about the various different processes and then think about okay well what level of risks does that process uh, represent and then also what artifacts do i typically collect to be able to uh, document uh, that process the execution of that process and what are the most important artifacts in that collection because obviously there, there can be quite a few different artifacts for different processes and and they don't all have the same amount of weight so I think I think the starting point is thinking about the, the 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 execution of the trial and the processes involved, and then afterwards coming up, I think with a with a sort of a, a general classification that you can apply across the board, uh, because you you don't want to be doing this every single time you do a, a new study, you know, and also you want to have consistency um, across studies in terms of your approach, because it's quite it can get quite complex, and you need to train people on how to do it. And so having sort of this consistent approach across all studies means that you're going to get better results and it's easier for people to manage. So I think that that's definitely something um, that, that we should do. And I think it's even something that we could do as an industry somewhat. Um, and that's why I think it's encouraging that, uh, you know, the CDISC TMF reference model is, is setting up an initiative, um, which is starting in the new year to start to think about a risk-based approach as an industry and trying to think about how can we establish standardization of that approach. Um, now, to what level we standardize, I, I, I'm not sure. I don't think we have that answer yet. But I do feel that um, for, you know, for, for that particular aspect, there's definitely some value in coming together as an industry and thinking about it as an industry because at the end of the day, we all follow the same regulations uh, we all do similar things when it comes to the conduct of clinical trials and the processes that we follow. And so if we can come up with a, with a, a common approach to evaluating risk at, at the process and artifact level, I think it's very beneficial. I also think a couple of things. One is um, don't forget your study risk management plan as a starting point. So, you know, within the study risk management plan, and a lot of times they're going to have similar risks study to study because they, they usually have a course that they go, they go against. Um, so you can, you can focus in on for that protocol, is there anything different uh, that we need to look at? And then you can start building out your library. What I do caution, I agree you don't have to completely build it with each study, but you know, do make sure that you're at least evaluating it for each study because, unfortunately, I have seen risk logs that are, you know, hundreds of lines long and are filled out all the way to the end, and I don't think they really mean anything at the end of the day. You know, we really want this risk management plan, this risk log, to drive our activities, to tell our groups this is what you need to focus on. And this is what you need to continue to make sure we stand on the gas. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree with you, Don, in the sense that uh, it doesn't have to be just a theoretical exercise. Uh, obviously, it starts with the theoretical exercise, but then it must be validated by what you are doing uh, every day in your clinical trial. And as I said before, uh, very important is uh, keep on monitoring uh, and verify the risk and what's going on because uh, you know otherwise it will be a very uh, unuseful exercise at the end at the beginning of the trial uh, but we know beneficial with no improvement in the quality of your tmf and in your clinical trial so 
make it easier as you can, uh, even if it's a very complex uh, uh, topic, uh, and make it uh, useful for your everyday management of the TMF. Uh, so the lock and the plan must be a really practical tool to, to be used and practical evidence of what you are doing to show in case of an inspection. Yes, I'm managing the risk. These are my tools. This is the evidence of what I'm doing every day. Try to keep the quality very high and inspection readiness. So yeah. I think that, uh, yes, start from the theoretical part is necessary, I think, but then uh, dig into the practical and daily activities uh, using tools like the plan and the law. Yeah. Keep it, keep it, keep it uh, simple, smart. Yeah. Focused. Not, you don't want a hundred lines. Right, Tom? Right. Oh, and it's a... Lines, you've got a big problem. <laughs> no, absolutely. Because you're not going to be able to deal with them, right? right? And, you know, and one other term, I actually learned this at an inspection readiness conference last week, but it really speaks to TMF for me. Um, we should think about inspection steadiness. And I think it's kind of a cool way to think about it. Because at the at the end of the day, you never know when you're going to get inspected. You know, I, I know sponsors that have gotten inspected and it's steady. Gotten inspected a month or two before they anticipated. Uh, you know, it, it happens. So if that happens to your organization and you have not maintained an, in, you know, an inspection study state, it should always be inspection ready. So inspection study, then what? Okay. Perfect. I mean, look, I don't want to give too much away here because I think there's a lot of really great insights around, um, you know, how to put in place a, a TMF uh, risk-based approach within your organization. We've covered a lot of different things in today's discussion. Um, and there are certainly some other, I guess, say risk factors that you might want to evaluate. We've listed some in the white paper that we'll share with everyone. So um, we won't uh, we won't go through them all. Um, maybe I'll just throw it to to Paul, Dawn, and Donatella. What are some of the other things, if any, um, we should be talking about or considering when it comes to TMF risk-based approach um, that you feel is important to share today before we wrap today's conversation up? So I, I can I can maybe start, and it's something that's quite close to to my heart. Um, I think today one of the big challenges that we have um, in TMF management in general is the fact that um, the TMF is everything and there's a lot of information that is TMF relevant that we need to tell the story which actually exists outside of uh, the TM ETMF system. Um, and I think when it comes to to risk evaluation and risk management, that's that, that's also true. There's there's information that we need that exists elsewhere that that should be driving our risk uh, based approach. So things like you know subject recruitment or things like uh, quality events that are occurring at a site and are being managed within the CTMS. Uh, things like SAEs. You know, there's 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 other information out there that can impact the risk of the study and risk, you know, the, the impact of, of the, uh, the risk of the TMF. Uh, and so we need to have better flow of information between these systems so that we can then build much more comprehensive risk models uh, and actually uh, uh, become more sophisticated, in fact, in our risk management and therefore hopefully get better, better results uh, without having all of the, the overhead that we would have today because today... Honestly, the only way of, of, of doing this is is actually going out and 
talking to the study teams and looking at other systems and trying to find this information to drive your risk assessment. And there's so much information, it, it, it's almost an impossible task. So I think the, 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 you know, the future is bright in that we're working on better interoperability, we're working on data standardization, we're working at getting away from documents and moving towards data, and all of this will help us. Um, and then, of course, technology is also helping us uh, because we can do a lot more with technology when it comes to analytics and, and uh, you know, number crunching, if you like. Uh, and so all of that is is very positive, I think, and, and is and is going in the right direction. Um, yeah. So that's that's my my thought around that. Any other yeah. closing thoughts from you, Don or, or Don? Yeah, I I just wanted to add to Paul just or Paul just a couple of things that popped in my head as you're talking about that, and particularly around the analytics and data within your system. So data about your TMF. I think one of the things that we, you know, we might run some standard reports out of our ETMF, but it's really can be a wealth of information. And, you know, we should look at, you know, how we can have even sort of signal detection within a TMF that drives our risk-based approach. You know, what, what types of things can we do that? And I, you know, while, yes, there's disparate systems that the TMF managers may need to go to, I think we do need to ensure that they understand how to go and get that information. Because again, TMF managers live in the world of TMF. They may not be as comfortable going to CTMS or IBRS or EDC or may not even have access to that particular data sets because they're TMF, they don't need those. So it's, you know, how can we ensure that whole data flow is for everyone and that TMF is a consideration and that they're integrated within the team, within the study team, because then it does help them continue to assess the risk and update it as as the study's progressing along. Exactly. Yeah, and if I may just add, as you said, Paul, uh, I think that, uh, my, I mean, my suggestion, uh, my message would be don't focus only on uh, patient safety and data integrity when you're try to develop your history risk management because there are really lots of other factors and elements that uh, uh, make and document the high risk rather than low risk. Uh, think about, uh, you know, the document owner, if the document uh, comes uh, from a vendor, an external vendor, or if it is uh, uh, issued by an internal department uh, with some very robust process and maybe a review workflow to approve the document, uh, even the life cycle of the document itself can have, you know, an impact on the risk because uh, one thing is to create a document on my desktop or in a SharePoint uh, and upload a final PDF in the TTMF. Another aspect is uh, the workflow is managed within the ETMF entirely from the beginning, the drafting, the reviewing, the approval, so all the step, all the trade will be kept within the system. So don't focus only on, uh, okay, this is a uh, high risk because as a big impact on patient safety uh, and on that integrity, like the protocol. Yes, it is. But if it is, uh, you know, managed within the ATMS uh, with a, a very robust process of workflow and approval and review, probably it's not very high risk because you know that that document uh, will be there in case of inspection. So don't focus only on those two very big and important variables. I'm, I'm not saying the contrary, but there are lots of many other factors that you need to be taking into consideration doing this exercise of this uh, development. 
Yep. All right. Thank you so much for those closing thoughts there. We do have some questions that we'll try and answer offline because we're running a little behind on time, but um, I did just post in the chat the link for everyone to go and download the new white paper on building a risk-based TMF management framework. There is 30 pages of pure TMF gold in there for you guys to consume. Um, we plan on continuing to iterate on those thoughts and update over time. So share your email with us and we'll, we'll keep you updated as we make further revisions to that document. And of course, we're hoping that this, you know, uh, continues to contribute to the conversation and that risk-based TMF becomes much more commonplace than maybe it is um, today. So we're going to be taking a holiday break, like hopefully all of you will be. Um, and coming back in January, um, on January 10th for another episode of the State of TMF, we'll focus on how to build um, a, a TMF training program for your team. Dawn, Donatella, and Paul, um, as always, I, I, you know, I thought this was a, a really, really great session. I, I, I can't say I understood all of it because that's uh, it's still a very nebulous topic, but I think you've helped a lot of people build um, the sort of foundations that are required to maybe start thinking about how they can implement um, risk-based TMF in their organization. So thank you so much for taking us through it. You're welcome. Thank you, John and Donatella. Great to Thanks to you. It was a pleasure and an honor for me to speak uh, with you, to be speaking with you. Thank you. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, guys. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Feel free to leave, again, some thoughts in the poll. Um, Dawn, Donatella, Paul, thanks. Uh, uh, and we'll see everybody on the next uh, show, January 10th, um, all focused on TMF fundamentals, putting the fun back into TMF training. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The State of TMF. If you liked today's episode, hit the subscribe button, view the full episode with video on YouTube, and follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. See the sometimes entertaining and always resourceful content we post every single day. And from all of us at Montreal, we'd like to wish you the happiest of holidays and an exciting new year ahead. See you in January for episode four.